Welcome to our 11.15 service here this morning, whether you're visiting here in the building with us here at Forest Fold or listening online. And um, a very warm welcome to Simon, um, who's come back to Forest Fold to, to preach for us this morning. A very warm welcome to you, Simon, and we really look forward to hearing what you um, have to speak on this, uh, this morning. Sorry. And um, just before Simon preaches today, Simon's to give us a little update on um, what's happening in Coventry. So before Simon preaches later, he will... Um, gives a bit of an update. A couple of things that I'd just like to um, bring to your attention before we start this morning. Um, on Thursday we have um, a communion service down here which Mark will be leading then we'll have communion afterwards. I really encourage um, all members to, to come and take part in that. It'd be good to see uh, many of you here on Thursday evening. And um, just one other thing, um, some people that listen online may not get our bulletin or see what's happening. Um, we had a, a collection um, these last uh, few weeks for, for India for, for um, help to go out to those that are suffering in India with the, the COVID situation. And I'd just like to read out what's been put on the, the bulletin from the Stanley Dells Trust. The trustees thank everyone who contributed so generously to the appeal for the Christian contacts in India, giving total amount of 4,936.67 um, pence, including gift aid. The trustees added in a further 3,000 this amount. So please pray that the Lord will bless the believers there, relieve their suffering, and encourage their work and witness. So a real, real generous um, um, take in there. Thank you so much for all that have contributed to that amount there, and I'm sure that it will be used in a real um, God-thought and brilliant way for those people out there to help in those situations out there. But in, in thinking about the situation in India and thinking about how it's, they've been affected by the coronavirus and the suffering out there, I'd just like to read from you um, a couple of verses from Psalm 62. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is in, from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. O God, rest my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And it's a real prayer that those that are suffering and um, having troubles out in India, that they will know that God is their rock, that they can trust in him and he is their salvation. And what a wonderful thing to know that even though that they're suffering out there, and they're um, in trouble and troubling times, that they've got a God that they can put their hope and trust in. Shall we pray? Almighty and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are our rock, that you are our salvation. And no matter what the situation that we may find ourselves in, no matter how deep we might find ourselves in despair and in distress, Lord, we can find our hope in you. We can stand firm upon that rock that cannot be shaken. Lord, we thank you so much that no matter what situation we are in, that we can look to you for our salvation. Lord, we thank you so much that you are always there for us, that we can put our trust in you. And Lord, we've just been hearing of that wonderful um, contribution that's been made towards the work out in India to those that are suffering out there, those Christians, Lord. And we pray that that money will be used wisely and distributed amongst them. But most importantly, Lord, we thank you again that they know you as their Lord and their Saviour and that they can put their trust in you. Amen. Our first song um, this morning that we'll be standing to reflect upon is Bless the Lord, O my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship your holy name. Our first song. Mm-hmm. 
going to have our first uh, our reading for today and afterwards Martin's going to come up and he's going to give the children a talk so children be prepared for when Martin comes up in a moment to, to speak to you. So our reading this morning is from Isaiah 55 so if any of you have got a Bible you can follow along with us otherwise the words will be up on the wall but we're going to be reading from Isaiah 55. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labour for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know. And a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found, Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Amen. Well, good morning children, whether we're here in the church or whether we're watching online. It's good to see you. Now, I've brought a couple of things along with me. Okay. Anyone have a guess what this might be? Anyone have a guess what this might be? Go on then. A present. Yes, it's a present. Very good. It's a present. Whoops. What about this? Does anyone have a guess? what this might be. You never thought what this might be? Go on, Alfie, have a guess. No? Good for you. You don't want to say, that's fine. A biscuit tin, brilliant. That's what you were thinking, wasn't you? Well done. A biscuit tin. Now, isn't it a lovely biscuit tin? It's a nice red biscuit tin. In fact, it's got Merry Christmas on it, so I think it probably had some form of Christmas gift in it at the time. But it's a really nice one. How many people here are actually interested in the biscuit tin? You can answer this one, Alfie. Are you interested in the biscuit tin? 
You are, yes. I wonder why. Not about the tin. What kind of biscuits do you think we've got in it? Go on, Jude, what's your favourite biscuit? A digestive. Oh, I think we can do slightly better than that. Percy, what's your, type, 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 your favourite type of biscuit? Bourbons. Oh, well, I think we do slightly better than that. Kian, what's your t- favourite biscuit? Chocolate biscuit. Yes, well, a bourbon is a chocolate biscuit. But yeah, we've got chocolate fingers, haven't we? Actually, when someone says I'm getting the biscuit tin out, I'm not thinking about the tin, am I? I'm thinking about what's in it. What else have we got in here? Party rings? Anyone up for party rings? Yeah, I like party rings. Yeah, oh, got something else in here as well. We've got an apple. Did anyone expect me to get an apple out of the biscuit tin? Now, if my biscuit tin was full of apples, put your hand up if you'd have been disappointed. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure some adults would put their hands up as well. Absolutely. If I'd got apples out, you'd have been disappointed. Now, how many people are interested in the actual wrapping paper? Actually, this would be a really poor present because there is nothing inside it. Would you be disappointed if you opened that? Yeah. Well, there's a story in the Bible. There's a story in the Bible about a prophet called Samuel and God had sent him, okay, to, um, to, to look for the new king of Israel. And um, he had gone to a place called Jesse, um, a person called Jesse, and Jesse had lots of sons. He had lots of sons, and each of the sons had to come in front of Samuel to decide whether he would be the next king. And the first son comes along called Eliab, Eliab, and he was big, strong, ideal for what a king should be, make a good soldier. And God went, no, no, I don't want him. And he went through all of the sons, and God said, no, I don't want any of them. So Samuel had to ask Jesse, he said, is there anyone else? Do you have any more children, any more sons? And they said, well, yes, there's David. David is out looking after the sheep. And God said to Samuel, I'm not looking at the outside, I'm looking at the heart. So I'm looking at the heart. So there we are. So the God is looking at the heart. And where's our heart? It's inside us, isn't it? Now the heart is what controls our physical life. It pumps all the blood around our body. takes all the oxygen and all the nutrients to feed our brain and our muscles and everything we need. Now when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about our physical pumping heart, but it's talking about what controls our emotions and our desires, our likes, our will. Okay? It's the control centre of our body. So when God looks at the control centre of our body... What does he see? What does he see? If you think about the things that you like and the things that you love and the things that you want to do, what are they controlled by? Okay? When God looks in, does he see the word I and me when he looks in our lives? Okay? Or does he see, actually, here's someone who wants to love me and to follow me, and to serve me. And as we get older, our eyes fail, we have to wear glasses, our hair falls out, we start getting bigger, and we can't walk as fast. But God is still looking inside at us, and seeing whether we want to follow him. Okay? And 
in Jeremiah we read a verse in, verse, in chapter 17 where we're told that our hearts are desperately wicked. Our hearts are desperately wicked. And any of us who know ourselves know that what we want to put first is me. We want to be first. Well, God wants us to be first. But thankfully, David wrote a psalm in Psalm 51 where he had gone wrong. He had done something wrong. But he asked his God. He prayed, creating me a clean heart. He wanted a new heart. Not physically, not a new pumping heart, but he wanted the centre of his life to follow Jesus. And because Jesus died, we can have that. We can have our sins forgiven and Jesus and God can become the first thing in our lives if we ask him. So, don't worry about when you get old and you lose your hair and you can't run as fast because God's looking at our heart and if we're following him, he's really pleased. But actually God would love it if we could follow him from a young age too. Not wait till we're older. Remember, he's not looking at our outside, he's looking at our heart and seeing whether we've put him first or ourselves first. Thank you. Thank you, Martin. Should we pray to God now? Should we pray to him? <coughs> Almighty and Heavenly Father, we come before our great God. Lord, we were... Um, in Sunday school this morning and one of the children asked to pray for, for your creation and we thank you so much for, for how you created this world, how it shows your amazing power, how it shows your amazing might, but most importantly, how it shows your love for us. Lord, you created this world for us to, to enjoy it and Lord, you created us to live alongside you in perfect harmony and yet, Lord, we, we sinned and we fell short and Lord, we rebelled against you. And we're so sorry for that, but we're so thankful that you still loved us, Lord, that you would send your only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world. Lord, we thank you so much that even though we are so wrong and so rebellious towards you, that Jesus was willing to sacrifice his life. He was willing to pay the ransom, to pay the price, to save us from our sins. What amazing love. What an amazing Saviour. And Lord, we think about... Our hearts, Lord. We think about what Martin was just saying then, Lord, how you look into our hearts. And Lord, we know that our hearts are so wrong, they're so black, they are so far away from you. But Lord, we know that they could be made whiter than white if we have put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because he has taken those sins away from us. Lord, we just pray, Lord God, that as we go through our lives that we'd want to follow you, that our hearts would be right, that they would want the right things, they'd want to to follow Jesus Christ's examples in this world. Lord, we pray for the younger ones in here, Lord. We pray that even at a young age that they might know Jesus Christ for themselves as their saviour, that their heart might be desiring to follow the good things that Jesus promises to give us at the end of our lives, Lord, and through our lives. Lord, we thank you so much that Jesus is such a great example for us, Lord. We thank you so much that as he lived in this world, he taught us how to be made right, He taught us how to live our lives. He told us how to live amongst other people, how to use our money wisely, how to use our time wisely, how to be with our neighbours around and about us and how to live our lives and we thank you for that. And we just pray that as we grow in years, whether we're young, whether we're old, that we'll continue to look to Jesus as our example to be the follower that we follow. 
Lord, I just pray that as we do um, go through this world, as we meet others um, amongst us, Lord, I pray that we will be an example for them. Lord, we were being taught this morning in our Sunday school again about the light of the world. And I just thank you so much that Jesus is this light in our world, Lord, when there seems to be so much darkness. But we can be um, examples for him. We can be the light of Jesus as well amongst those around us. And I pray that as we have conversations with our work colleagues, with our family, with our friends, with people on the street, that we can shine that light of Christ, that we can um, go forth and spread your gospel to people that we know. I pray that there will be many opportunities for us to, to be able to speak about you and to tell of your gospel and your saving grace. There is no greater news to spread far and wide. Lord, I thank you so much for for this morning. I thank you so much for the groups that have been able to meet this morning. I thank you for the Sunday schoolers they met and for Rooted. We thank you for those that gave up their time to teach them. We pray especially though for those um, children and teenagers that took part this morning. I just pray that, that these messages that they hear week on week or every other week, Lord, that they will go into their hearts, that they will stay there, that they will be things that are very special to them, that, that there will be a seed that is growing and that in due course, Lord, that that your Holy Spirit will water that word, Lord, and that they will grow to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. We just long to see the, the children and the young people and the young adults in this church that do not know you. We long to see them to grow in maturity, to grow in Christ. Lord, we just pray for any of those um, in here that might have a, a cold and stony heart towards you, Lord. We pray that this might even be the day today, this morning, that that heart will be softened by your Holy Spirit that they will recognise that there is nothing in this world that it can offer them that is, can compare to the riches and the treasures that Jesus Christ has waiting for us in heaven. Lord, we thank you so much that Jesus does give us a way of escape, that he has paid that price for us. Lord, I again thank you for, for those teachers that have taught this morning, Lord. I thank you for all their time, their care and their patience and the love that they show towards the children and the teenagers and the young adults that they come in to teach them. I pray that you will encourage them, Lord, and I thank you that they are willing to go forth and spread your gospel message to shine your light, the light of Christ, into their lives. Lord, I think, um, especially at this time of Peter, who's, uh, Peter Turner, who's going to be speaking at Millwood tomorrow. Lord, he'll be speaking via Zoom. I just pray for, for that tomorrow as Peter speaks to the elderly folk there, Lord. I pray that you will help Peter with the technology, that it will work well, and most importantly, that those, those uh, folks that will be listening in will be able to hear a, a true, clear gospel message that will be an encouragement to their ears and a, and a joy to their soul, I do pray. Lord, we pray for um, our pastor here, John, who's up in Coventry this morning preaching away from us. We really do pray for him this morning. We pray that you will be with him as he speaks at Coventry. Lord, we thank you so much for the way that that John has been so helped by you over this past year. Lord, it has been such a, a difficult year for so many, um, but especially for John as he um, guides the flock here at Forest Fold, and I thank you for the special way that you've come alongside him and helped him and worked through him through this time, and I especially pray that he will be a real blessing to those folks that are, are listening um, live, um, whether it be in the service this morning or online in Coventry. I really do pray it be a blessed time for all those. And Lord God, I pray for, for Simon, who's um, back here with us, um, here at Forest Fold. Lord, um, it's lovely to see Simon here again, and we really do look forward to hearing what he has to speak to us on from Isaiah this morning. 
Lord, we just pray that you will be with him, that you will be um, his rock and his salvation and you will be everything to him. As he speaks to us today, we pray that you will really speak through Simon, that you will help him and give him clarity of thought and mind and speech as he speaks to us. And Lord, I just thank you so much for the, for the friendships that many of us have with Simon here and the time that we've been able to catch up with him again. We thank you for that. So Lord God, I just pray again as we um, come to um, hear your word again this morning. We thank you so much that we have a church here where we can hear your word spoken to us so freely, that your word goes out from this place in such a mighty and powerful way. I thank you so much for the congregation as a whole, the membership here, Lord, their love for you, Lord, and we thank you so much for the fellowship that we have as a church here, and we pray that that will continue for, for many years to come, if that be your will. So Lord God, I pray that you'll be with us all here now. Help us to really understand and hear your word being spoken to us, Lord. May your Holy Spirit work in a mighty and powerful way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before Simon comes and gives us a bit of an update on Coventry and then gives us um, his message from Isaiah this morning, we're going to um, stand to reflect upon our second song this morning. Above the voices of the world around me, my hopes and dreams, my cares and loves and fears, the long-awaited call of Christ has found me. The voice of Jesus echoes in my ears. Our second song.
Well, good morning. It's, it's really, really nice uh, to see you and to be with you. And uh, people, people have been asking me whether it's strange to be back, whether it feels a bit surreal. And I said the surreal thing is, is that it doesn't. It feels like I went to bed last night and I've woken up two years later. Um, so I think I'll need to get a new alarm clock. Uh, but it's, it is really nice to be back. Nice to see some very familiar faces when you contact with different people. For those of you um, who don't know me, um, I uh, started coming here really as, as a teenager and God really worked in my life through the different um, ministries um, of the church, the gospel message um, um, that was being preached and taught um, through different means. Um, and, and then I had the, the privilege of, of, of serving the church, um, supporting John the pastor for uh, a number of years and then two years ago uh, moved up to Coventry, um, to what was uh, Lower Ford Street Baptist Church Coventry, which is now Hillfields Church Coventry, and have been serving as one of the pastors um, there. And uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very, um, perhaps a different situation in terms of it feels like all the nations have come to live in Coventry, and that's reflected in the church. And I think after about a year, I had got everyone's name sorted, and then COVID came, and I feel like I'm starting again with some people. Um, but I'm so thankful for the, the church's welcome, um, and they've settled in really, really well. Uh, God's been really good to us um, over this past year, as, as like yourself, had to navigate through um, COVID and what it means for the church, but there continues to be a, a real sense of love and peace and unity amongst the church, and, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, I'd just like to give you two things to, um, to pray for, um, for the church, if, if, if that's okay. Uh, and the first is, um, um, during this past year, there haven't been many churches open in Coventry physically um, that you can go to, and we've just been one of the few, which meant that come September, October, when um, students cars started coming back to university, you've got Warwick and Coventry, and so now we've got uh, at least double the amount of students that we would normally get, uh, which we, we really like, uh, great opportunities, um, but just praying for help to accommodate and to support and, and help the different students. Uh, quite a number of the students are bringing their friends who are not Christians, who have never heard the gospel, and who don't go to church normally. And so it's a massive opportunity um, to really care for them and, and share the gospel with them. Um, so please do pray, pray for that. And then just the, the second thing is, um, is before I, I went to Coventry, just before I, I joined uh, the church, La Four Street Church, um, enfolded another smaller church into itself, uh, which is only six or seven minutes' walk um, down the road. We're so thankful that it's been a really um, smooth transition, um, been very peaceful, and it's been a real blessing to, to, to both churches as we've become um, one church, um, and, and hence the name Hillfields Church Coventry. That was a kind of a uniting gesture. And the, the church was, is based um, in a, a locality called Hillfields, um, close by, but it's, it's a very different area, um, so perhaps Lower um, Fourth Street is perhaps a bit more middle class. Um, Hillfields is a really needy area. Lots of uh, refugees, uh, asylum seekers, um, lots of different uh, needy people. And we're really working through, praying through, how we can really reach out to the locality using this um, other building that we've got. Um, uh, a month or two ago, we had a really encouraging week of prayer and giving. And uh, people were really uh, generous, stirred up to give. And that's meant that we've been able to start some substantial renovation works on this other building. And, um, and, and there are kind of different ministries happening 
um, uh, small ministries at the, the, the moment. But we're, we're kind of really looking through how, uh, looking to how we can kind of pull things together and to really use this building to reach out to the, the community. So if I can um, invite you to uh, pray with us in that, um, that would be great. Well, I wonder whether you're feeling hungry. I wonder whether you're feeling hungry. There are a few things in life that are as good as a really nice meal. And I wonder what your favourite meal is. I wonder what is your favourite meal. Let me give you some options um, to help you think this through. So maybe for you it's a roast dinner. A roast dinner. Or maybe it's a curry. Uh, Maybe it's fish and chips. Or maybe it's a Chinese or Thai menu. Maybe it's toad in the hole or a fry-up or English breakfast. And maybe it's spaghetti bolognese or maybe you fancy a barbecue. Then, of course, there's puddings, there's eat and mess, there's apple crumble, there's cheesecake, uh, there's chocolate gatto, there's banoffee pie, there's good old ice cream, there's chocolate eclairs. I wonder what is the nicest meal that you've ever had? Um, I wonder what food you've got lined up for lunch. I wonder how many people are wishing they've got something different now. Like we, we love good food, don't we? We love good food. We've had the government trying to tempt us out and to part with our money in the past year with the, the Eat Out to Help Out scheme. Our food is often what churches do really well. A big church teas with tables laden with a whole variety of different nice things uh, to eat. And as I explained, in Coventry, we've got a double of the, of the amount of students that are coming to us. And, and partly it's because not as many churches are open, but I think a big part of it is food. Um, the, the, the hot meals that we've been delivering to a student accommodation when none of the churches could open, the, the hot meals that are provided in the park at the moment. And as I said, we've got a good number of students who aren't Christians, who aren't used to coming to church, but they're, they're drawn in, some of them, by the food that they get for their Sunday lunch. Well, here in verse 1 of Isaiah 55 and following, we have a great meal that is set out before us. A great feast that will not disappoint. And it's a picture. Um, It's a picture that God often uses in the Bible to describe uh, the gospel feast, uh, to describe his forgiveness and his love and his compassion and his grace. Uh, to uh, describe uh, the benefits and the blessings that you have in Christ and in the Gospel, to describe what it's like to be part of his family and his kingdom and his people. Uh, So you think back to Isaiah 25, uh, where there again you have described a feast of rich food and well-aged wine. Uh, You think about the many parables that Jesus taught in the Gospels of people being invited to a feast and how he uh, invited people to the gospel through those parables. And and that's what's going on here. This this meal in verses 1 and 2 is a picture of the gospel feast. And it pictures people being invited to receive and to feast on God's forgiveness and uh, a loving relationship with him. Uh, You have that explained further on in verse 7. And I've got two headings for you as we look at verses 1 and 2 and the first half of verse 3. And the first heading from verse 1 really is the great invitation. The great invitation. 
And as we think about these verses in a very simple way this morning, there are some questions that I want us to ask, especially of this first heading. And the first is, who is invited to this meal? Who is invited to this meal? And the answer, of course, is everyone. Everyone is invited to this meal. Now, the immediate context of this invitation is that hundreds of years before Jesus came, this is God inviting the people of Judah to return to him and find him and find his forgiveness. However, verses 4 and 5 point forward to the coming of Jesus and of this invitation being not just for the people of Judah or Israel, but of it going out to the peoples and the nations and the countries and the world. And it's interesting to know how God speaks through his prophet Isaiah here. So there in verse 1, the invitation, come everyone who thirsts, that's in the singular. But the invitation to come to the waters is plural. He who has no money is singular, but come buy and eat is plural. And it's almost as if there is this great crowd before the prophet Isaiah. And as he speaks, he's switching back and forth between addressing an individual in the crowd and addressing the whole crowd itself. And so though this invitation is going out to the whole group of us and to all those who are online this morning, it's also coming to us individually and personally. And you can truly say that this morning, this invitation from God is to you as an individual, personally. And you can also say, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. It's for all people. It's for all the nations. It's for all kinds of people, of all ages. So whether you're old or you're young or whether this is your first time at church, or whether you've been coming to church for years, or whether you know absolutely nothing about God, or you've read the Bible from cover to cover again and again, whether you've lived a life that now you are utterly ashamed of, or whether you've tried to live the best life you can, God is inviting everyone, God is inviting you personally to this wonderful meal that is a picture of his forgiveness and his love. And God is inviting you personally to receive his mercy and pardon. He's offering to take all of your guilt away. He's offering to remove from your record everything that you've ever done wrong. He's offering complete forgiveness of every single sin. And the wonder is, is that everyone is invited. This is for all people. And you know, isn't this such good news? Because don't we all need God's forgiveness and his mercy? I know I need God's forgiveness and mercy. And it may be that in your more honest moments, you would say that you, would, you need God's forgiveness and mercy To All of us have said and done and thought things that we shouldn't have done. Every single one of us here this morning, we've hurt other people. And we've been selfish and unkind and proud. And we've certainly not given to God the place that he deserves 
in our lives. Romans 3 explains that all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And so therefore, the fact that this invitation to this gospel meal to receive God's forgiveness is going out to everyone, it is such good news. Uh, Second question, though, is, is how much does God want you to accept his invitation? How much does God want you to accept his invitation? Uh, Maybe you've been passing um, someone's house and you thought you'll call in um, uninvited and so you've stopped and you've parked up and you've knocked on their house and and, and they've invited you in but you kind of get the feeling that they're hoping you'll say no. Uh, Maybe you've had that before. Or maybe you've been invited to someone's party or gathering or whatever and you've gone, but again, you've got the distinct impression that they only invited you because they felt that they had to and they're not really bothered about whether you've turned up or not. Well, well, look at God's invitation here. God is not giving this invitation to you to enjoy this meal of his grace and to receive his forgiveness because he feels that he has to. Uh, He's not doing it reluctantly or begrudgingly. Um, He's not doing it because that's what his job is to do or it's because what you would expect him to do. No, he's doing it because he really wants you to accept. He really wants you to accept. And look at how many times, even in just verse 1, this invitation is repeated and it's urged on you, on us. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk. God, he really, really, really wants people to accept his invitation. He really wants to show you his love and his kindness and his mercy. He really wants to take your guilt away. You don't have to twist God's arm to forgive you. You don't have to try your hardest to persuade him to um, take your sin away. No, it's, it's the other way round. God has to persuade us to come to him. A God is generous and gracious and he invites you to accept his offer of mercy. And I want to ask you, are you going to accept his invitation? Uh, question number three, how much will this meal cost? How much will this meal cost? We'll look at the first. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Uh, Clearly a payment has been made so that you could enjoy this meal, but it's been made on your behalf. To you, it is free. Uh, I don't know what the most expensive meal is you've ever had. Maybe you've um, ordered from a menu, not really looking at the, the prices, or maybe the prices haven't been there, and then you've been shocked, uh, shocked when you've uh, received the bill. Um, I had a look at the, um, uh, the, uh, a list of the most expensive restaurants in London. So if you're feeling fairly flush at the moment, you can go to Gordon Ramsay's a restaurant where apparently uh, a meal will start at about £75 per person. 
Um, or, or maybe you're feeling uh, particularly uh, wealthy at the moment and you want to upgrade a little bit and have something more interesting and you can have dinner by Heston where, where uh, an eight-course meal is about £200 per person. Or, or then if you're feeling particularly uh, posh, uh, you can go to the lecture room and uh, library at the Sketch in Mayfair where even just the taste of men, uh, menu is about £110 per person. Uh, expensive prices to pay to have food cooked by the best of chefs. Uh, and yet with the supreme chef, with the divine chef, and with the best meal of all, there is no price to pay. Uh, there is no tab that you have to pick up. There is no bill that will be brought to your table. Uh, you won't have the card machine brought round for you. No, God's forgiveness is free. Uh, God's grace is free. God's mercy is free. God's love is free. A relationship with God is free. Heaven is free. God is not looking to us to pay for any of it. In fact, you can't pay for it because you've got nothing to pay with. You have no spiritual credit card or cash. All you've got is your guilt and your wrong and your sin. That's the only thing that you can bring to the table. That's why there's this emphasis on this invitation being especially to the poor, verse 1. Those who have no money, those who have no credit with God. It's describing spiritual realities, spiritual poverty and bankruptcy. Uh, you, You can't earn your place at this table. You can't offer to do the dishes afterwards to pay for your meal. And you don't have to. It's not expected. This amazing meal is absolutely free. It costs nothing. And so a fourth question to ask or think about is what kind of food and drink will be served? What kind of food and drink will be served? Now you see, firstly, it's the kind of food and drink that's needed. You see that verse 1, you have water. So water to satisfy the thirsty. Now water is a picture that's already been used in the book of Isaiah, of God and his forgiveness and his salvation being like water that satisfies our spiritual thirst. You think of the psalm in Isaiah 12, uh, where it says, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You see, God and his salvation more than anything is what we need. And isn't that true of you? Don't you deep down, even though you may not want to admit it to anyone, don't you deep down long for your guilt to be taken away? Don't don't you thirst after that? Uh, Don't you want that barrier between you and God taken completely away? Uh, The food and the drink that is served here is just what we need. But you notice also that it's the best food. Uh, Have a look at what else is on the menu. Verse 1, you have wine and milk. In verse 2, you have rich food to delight in. So this is the kind of menu that would have been had at a marriage uh, feast. And you say, well, why is God's forgiveness and being invited into a relationship with him 
Why is it being pictured as this amazing meal and this amazing banquet? Well, it's because being forgiven by God and being in a relationship with him is just something you should want. the, The thought of it should just whet your spiritual appetite and draw you in. So you think of a roast dinner and you think maybe of roast lamb with mint and vegetables and roast potatoes and hot gravy that is poured over and the the gravy is steaming up. Or you think of uh, roast beef with Yorkshire puddings or you think of roast chicken with stuffing and pigs in blankets. It's just gone 12 o'clock. Don't you feel hungry? as you think about that food. Uh, Doesn't it whet your appetite? Uh, Probably not if you're a vegetarian. But maybe you can think of your favourite meal, uh, the flavours and and, and the colours and the aromas. Doesn't it it whet your appetite? Doesn't it draw you in? Isn't it what you want? And and isn't it the same with this spiritual meal that we're being invited to? Think Think of the table that's laid out before us. Uh, And on this table you have these different dishes uh, and you have the the dish of of being completely forgiven by God, every single sin. Uh, And then you have the dish of of knowing that God loves you unconditionally and that nothing will ever separate you from his love. Uh, Having peace with him, a peace that can never be taken away. Knowing that God is with you at all times and in all places and in all situations. Having a hope that is certain and sure. Having that promise that there is a place prepared for you in heaven and it's reserved for you and it will never be taken away. It's yours. Being given that purpose in life of living for God and his glory. Aren't these things what you want? Don't these things sound so attractive to you? Uh, Wouldn't it be good to be able to sit at this table and enjoy these things that are on offer? There is a great invitation here in these verses and and, and if you've not accepted that invitation yet, why don't you accept today? Uh, Receive God's invitation and offer to come and sit at this table. And yet there's also a great challenge in these verses. And I've just turned the slides off, I think, if we can have the great challenge. So verse 2 and the first half of verse 3, you have a great challenge. Because maybe you say, actually, I don't want to find my satisfaction and meaning and purpose in these things. And maybe you're saying, actually, I don't hunger and thirst after those things. And actually, God and all that is to do with God, I don't find it attractive. Actually, it, it repels me. I don't want anything to do with these things. And and that actually may be true. That may be true. And yet you are hungering and thirsting after something, aren't you? You are hungering and thirsting after something. You are trying to find satisfaction and meaning and purpose in something we, we all are. And maybe you're trying to find it in your career. Maybe in achievements. Maybe in simply having a good time. And maybe in family or friends or relationship. And maybe in your salary or your money. 
maybe in a sport, and maybe in simply being light. Uh, And yet the trouble is, is that none of those things can fill the void in your soul. Uh, And a further trouble is, is that all of those things will make you work for what you're going for. Uh, They will make demands on you. They will make you try and earn uh, what you are trying to achieve. So, obvious obvious example, the the person who is driven by their career will work longer hours to get where they want to, and yet what they will find is when they've got to the top of the ladder, they're still empty. Have a look at verse 2. You have the question being asked, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labour for that which does not satisfy uh, is, is that what you're doing this morning? Trying to satisfy the hunger of your soul with something that can't do it. Maybe if you life revolves around money, and yet however much money you get, it's never enough. Maybe you live for having a good time, but the night out always comes to an end. Maybe your children mean the well to you, but they aren't always perfect. And maybe you follow your team avidly, and yet they don't always win at the weekend. And the season always comes to an end. All that we try and find ultimate satisfaction in outside of God, it just doesn't deliver. I heard the story of an elderly husband who was convinced that his wife's hearing was going. And uh, he discussed this a number of times with his wife, um, but she saw things differently. Um, She was convinced that her hearing wasn't going, and it was proving to be a rather sensitive issue within their relationship. And so the husband decided to put this to the test. And so standing at a distance from his wife, who was sitting in her armchair, he said, would you like a cup of tea, dear? Nothing. No reply. Which didn't surprise him. And so he moved a bit closer and he said, would you like a cup of tea, dear? Again, silence, no reply. And so he went and he stood right behind her chair and he said in a loud voice, would you like a cup of tea, dear? To which she replied, for the third time I said yes. <laughs> like that elderly husband, our spiritual hearing is often not very good. And have a look at verses 2 and 3. Three times God calls us to listen to him, matching the threefold invitation of verse 1. Listen diligently to me. Uh, Incline your ear. Move closer. Listen to what I'm saying here. Uh, This is important, God is saying. Listen to me. Uh, Why are you trying to find purpose and meaning and ultimate satisfaction in things and stuff which can't do the job? Uh, See this wonderful banquet that I'm laying out before you. Uh, Notice verse 2 that this banquet is good. God says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Uh, What God is saying is, is this meal is good for you. It's good for you. It's designed for you. It's right. You will not regret it. If you pull up a chair, you'll be so glad that you've sat down. It's not bad for you. It's good. And notice, secondly, that the banquet is enjoyable. 
and listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. This banquet, this gospel is enjoyable. Again and again in the New Testament, we have explained to us that the Christian life is full of joy. And that's because what the Christian is given and has will never be taken away. And it completely satisfies the soul. And then you notice thirdly, that God himself is the banquet. I have a look at verse 3, things have changed. God is no longer talking in picture language. He's no longer talking about coming to a banquet. Instead he says, incline your ear and come to me. He doesn't say come to a church service. He doesn't say come to a prayer meeting. He doesn't say come to a Bible study, though those things are helpful. No, he says come to me. He's saying if you want to find true meaning and satisfaction and purpose in life, you need to come to me. He's saying if you want to be forgiven for all that you've ever done wrong, you need to come to me. You see, God himself is the banquet. God himself is the feast. Knowing him is the joy and the glory. And it's God alone who can forgive you and bring you into a relationship with him. And then notice, fourthly, this is about life. Here, that your soul may live. You see, it's not until you come to God and you come to this banquet and you eat and you receive his forgiveness, it's not until that point that you start to understand what life really is. It's not until then that you start to truly feel alive. Ask any real Christian and they will say exactly the same thing. As Jesus said in John 10, he said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it to the full. You see, when you become a Christian and you come to this banquet, you suddenly realise that this is what you were made for. To know God and to enjoy him and to live for him and to glorify him. A God, he said, here that your soul may live. And God here is he's not just talking about life in this world. He's, he's talking about eternal life. Life after death as well. Life beyond the grave. Everlasting life. Life in heaven in the new creation with him. Life where there's no more pain or suffering or sin or sadness or tears or death. Life with him in perfect joy and happiness, happiness and worship. And so the question really for each of us this morning is, is what are you going to do with God's invitation? Uh, You've received it in the envelope. Uh, You've opened it, you've read it, you've seen what the invitation is. And the question is, how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? And yet as you think about it, there's one more thing to understand. You need to understand the cost. You need to understand the price that God has paid for this meal. 
You see, to you, it's completely free. It's absolutely free. God's love is free. His grace is free. Heaven is free. And yet, to God, there was the greatest of costs. There was the unthinkable cost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, for you and for me to be invited to this meal, Calvary had to take place. And Jesus, God's Son, had to be nailed to a cross and receive the judgment that people like you and my, you and I deserve. <coughs> and you know, when you understand something of the expense of the meal, when you understand something of all the effort that someone has gone to so that you can be invited, it should make us want to accept the invitation even more, shouldn't it? And so as we finish by you thinking about how much it cost for you to come to this meal, as you look at the invitation you've just taken out of the envelope, the question is, is what will you do? What are you going to do with the invitation? Are you going to accept it and come? Or are you going to tear it up or put it in a place where you can't see it? Let's just have a few moments of, of quiet and, uh, and then I'll pray. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful invitation that you give to us here in Isaiah. And Lord, we thank you not just for the wonderful invitation, but um, to what we're being invited to. We thank you so much for the gospel. We thank you for the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for your son. We thank you that you so love this world that he came and he lived that perfect life of righteousness. And Lord, was willing to be stapled to a cross at Calvary And he was willing to pay that price that we might be able to sit at this table for free. And Lord, we pray, Father, that if, Lord, we have accepted your invitation, Lord, we pray that we would never forget that you are the feast. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would always delight in you. We pray, Father, that we would never lose the wonder of all the different uh, flavours and aromas of the different dishes on this table. And we pray, Father, that if there are any here who haven't yet received that or accepted that invitation, our Father, we pray that it would be even today, and Lord, that they come to you through Christ, and Lord, that they eat of the best food and drink, and Father, that they taste and see that you are good. And we pray this in the name of the Saviour. Amen.